Heavenly Father, we do thank you and we praise you, Lord, for your love and your grace. You're such an awesome God. I do pray right now you'd be with Doug and Patrick as they minister to our kids, Lord, the kids that have ears to hear. Just speak through them mildly, Father. We pray also for our time in the Word, that you would be our teacher. Cry out in desperation for you tonight, Lord, knowing that without your Holy Spirit, we can neither teach your Word nor receive your Word. So we ask your Spirit to be upon each one of us, that you would prepare us to hear, prepare me to teach, Father, that I would decrease, that your Spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. By way of review, real quick, in, in Exodus chapter 8, we saw God's divine judgment upon a hardened heart. We're going to see that continuing tonight. And we're going to see continued opportunities for repentance. We're going to see that our God truly is a God of grace in the midst of His judgment. Because I'll tell you what, Pharaoh was a hard-hearted guy. And we're going to see that even more so tonight. Now last week we saw the beginning of the plagues. And we know that Egypt was an idol-worshipping country. And they were, man, they were big time into idols. We don't, I'm not even sure how many gods they had. But they had many, 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 many gods. We're going to see some of that tonight. And we saw that how the miracles and the plagues that God brought upon Egypt did a couple of things. One, it revealed the power of God. And two, it refuted the Egyptian gods. And so last week, first thing we saw was we saw the plague of frogs. The first plague was blood into water. The second plague was there were frogs everywhere. And what this did was it, it basically wiped out their crops. It kept them from being able to grow anything. It was in their beds, in their houses, in their ovens, in their pots. It was everywhere. They couldn't sleep. Can you imagine the noise? And then eventually when God put them, killed them, they all died. But then they had to shovel them all out. Can you imagine the stench that came? And God did this for one reason, to bring repentance in the heart of Pharaoh. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. We saw again that what had been a pleasure to them, these frogs they considered to be uh, deity. One of the many gods they had. They considered frogs to be gods. They even had a, a god named Haket, which was a woman's head with a frog's body. That's real attractive, by the way. But, so that was one of their gods. And that god was refuted. And they saw that, and, it, and it's a picture to us that the things that we find pleasure in, if they're done to an extreme, become a plague. And that's exactly what happened in Egypt. Second one was lice. And now I've talked about this before. My children have had lice, and it's no fun. Lice is a very difficult thing to get rid of, and the Egyptians were extremely clean people. As a matter of fact, most time we see pictures of Egypt and you see uh, different things about the Egyptian people, they, they would shave their heads, they'd shave their whole bodies, the people in the higher caste would shave themselves constantly, and one of their greatest fears was getting lice. So you can imagine what happened when God brought lice upon the land. And what happened there was that there was a sign to them that no matter how hard man tries, he cannot keep himself clean. The only, clean, the only way we can become clean is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? You can't be clean no matter how hard your efforts, no matter how good a man you are, no matter how many charities you give to, you need Jesus, and so do I. And so what happened was that they tried to cleanse themselves, and this lice came upon them. They had an earth god named Geb, and you know what? This wiped out, where's the earth god now? You know, where's the frog god now? Well, guess what? Your gods are dead. They're not gods. Then the fourth one was flies. Now, these were not just normal flies. These were the kind of flies that bite. And so these flies were everywhere. So they went, it would have been nice if they had the flies before the frogs, because then the frogs could have taken care of the flies, but that's not what happened. God knew that. So God brought flies, and we saw that, that to truly serve God, we must be separate from the world. And the reason I point that out is that the flies were only in the Egyptian households, whereas the, the Israelites, there were no flies where they were. And it shows, again, that we're separated unto the Lord, that God will protect us from the judgment that is to come. So Pharaoh's response to each one of these things was, his heart was hardened more and more and more. 
while attempting to get Moses to compromise, every time that, that he'd come to Moses and say, get rid of the plagues, he would try to get Moses to compromise. He'd say, I, Moses said, let my people go. We're going to go out into the wilderness to uh, uh, worship God and to sacrifice. And, and whenever he would come to him, Pharaoh, he'd say, well, you know, you can sacrifice, but you must stay here. Go ahead and get rid of the plague, but you can sacrifice and stay here. And we talked about last week how that's what, the, what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to stay in the world. You know, you can have a Christian relationship, but just stay in the world. Continue to be like the world. It's okay. We're going to see tonight that that's not okay at all. Second thing happened was he said, stay close by. You know, stay here where it's convenient. Don't be too radical about your faith. Serve God right where you are. Don't be any different just because you're a Christian. And the reality is, as Christians, as we're going to see tonight, we must be extremely different. So tonight, in, in chapter 9, we're going to see three more plagues. And we will also see the heart of Pharaoh. It's going to grow harder and harder, even as the plagues of God become more and more heavy and difficult upon Egypt. He's still not going to repent. He's still not going to turn. If anything, he's going to get farther and farther and farther away from God. Every time we go through a trial, we can do one of two things. We can run to God or we can run from Him. Amen? And as Christians, it says, count it all, join my brethren, when, not if, when you fall into various trials. You will go through difficulties as a Christian. The difference is the world has nowhere to run, and we can run to the creator of the universe. Amen? And that's where we should find our peace. So Pharaoh will be resisting the will of God, and he will reap the judgment of God. And here's the, here's the plagues we're going to see tonight. We're going to see uh, the livestock be diseased. And it's interesting that many people believe what they got was anthrax. So anthrax is nothing new. It goes all the way back to the plagues of the Egyptians. We're going to see boils head to toe, and then we're going to see hail falling from the sky that's on fire. So you know what? These plagues are going to get worse and worse. Each one of them is an opportunity for repentance. And each time we're going to see Egypt and Pharaoh's heart grow harder and harder and harder. Through the events, we're going to see God's grace, we're going to see His power, and we're going to see the continued obedience of Moses and Aaron and the continued rebellion of Pharaoh. You know, that describes every one of us in here. We're either walking in obedience to God or we're walking in rebellion. We're either people seeking after the Lord with our hearts broken and soft before Him or we've hardened our hearts toward God. And we're going to see that picture tonight as we take a look at chapter 9. So let's begin in verse 1, looking at the diseased livestock. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Let my people go. This is the fifth time that he has come to Pharaoh and asked him, Let my people go. It's interesting, I've said this all the way through the text, that the message does not change. Moses keeps coming, but the message stays the same. We don't change the message in order to somehow get people to accept it. You don't water it down. You don't take Jesus out of the gospel. You don't make it easy believism. The message is the same. It's the same. It's the same. Why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? The same message that the apostles taught in the book of Acts, we're going to teach at Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz. Amen? It's not any different. We're not coming up with some, some new program or some new plan. We're not going to have eight-minute messages, sermonettes for Christianettes. You know, we're not going to try to you know, have drive-through church or, or anything else you know, to try to reach the masses or preach the felt needs. You know what? We're going to teach the Bible. Amen? And the message is not going to change. And the message did not change with, with Moses. He kept coming and he kept telling the same thing. Let my people go. And even though Moses was t- could have been tired, he could have been frustrated at the lack of results, he continued to teach the same message. You might think to yourself, well, I've witnessed this person so many times, I'm just going to quit. Don't. Keep sharing your faith. Amen? Jeremiah, 
Weeping prophet, 40 years, no converts. Keep preaching the gospel. Don't back down. Don't dial it down. Don't change it just to make the world relate to it better. Only one's word would stand. It's either going to be the word of Pharaoh or the word of God. Pharaoh, God kept saying, let my people go. Pharaoh kept saying, no, I'm not going to let your people go. God comes back, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, somebody's going to have to give in at some point. And I think we all know what happens, right? Amen? But you know what? The Lord is going to bring judgment to soften the heart of Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's heart continues to get harder and harder and harder and harder. We are to remain faithful and obedient to delivering the truth of God's word without compromise, knowing that the responsibility and the change of heart comes from the Lord, not from us. It says in the end of that verse, that they may serve me. You know what? The Bible says that man cannot serve two masters. Every one of us is serving somebody. How many of you guys remember those old songs by Bob Dylan, you've got to serve somebody? Now you've got to know you're, gonna, you're an older Christian if you heard that, okay? You know, you've got to serve somebody, right? That's Bob Dylan, right? And you know, I get, that guy's voice kills me. I don't, I don't get it, but there it is. So Bob Dylan, you've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. And the reality is that that is a true statement, that everybody, every one of us has a master. It's just who is your master? Your master might be your career, your master might be a relationship, your master might be the pursuit of money, your master might be, might be uh, another foreign god, but everybody's got a master, and we all have to serve somebody, and who are you serving? And so he said, you let my people go that they may come and serve me. Because God's heart, above all else, is that we have an intimate relationship with him. And it breaks his heart when his people are separated from him. And we're going to see that as we continue to go on through the text tonight. Verse 2. For if you, if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on the cattle of your field, on the camels, on the oxen, on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. If you refuse to let them go and still hold them. Pharaoh had reneged in the previous chapter. He had said, if you remove the flies, I'll let the people go. He had said repeatedly, take this plague away from me and I'll let the people go. And then as soon as the plague was gone, he turned his back on God. We talked about this last week. We've all been guilty of that. Amen? You get in difficulty and you cry out and say, Lord, I'll do anything. Just help me. Lord, I, I, you know what? I mean, just get me out of this mess. You know, it's like the drowning man who's, you know, he's so far away he can't see the shore. And he's, Lord, if you'll, if you'll save me, I'll, I'll give my life to you. I'll become a missionary in Africa. I'll, I'll, I'll sell everything I have. You know, I, 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 Lord, I'll just give you my entire life. And as he c- continues to swim, he gets a little closer. He can see the shore. Well, maybe I won't be a missionary in Africa, but, you know, Lord, I'll, I'll give money to the missionaries in Africa. And, and I'll, I'll go to church every week. And, I'll be, and then he gets a little closer to the shore. And all of a sudden, he's getting to the point where his feet can almost touch. Well, I'll, I'll go to church on Christmas and Easter. If he just let, and then he gets to the shore and he's like well you know lord i think i've been pretty good and that's what happens is we're in danger we're in trouble and we cry out to god the drowning man prayer i call it and we're going to see that pharaoh has that later but then when we get out of the mess we start trusting in ourselves again what a mistake that is and he says if you refuse to let them go if you do not if you keep reneging on your word there's going to be consequences there's going to be there's going to be heavy consequences upon your people upon the removal pharaoh acted according to his nature as soon as the flies went away, he hardened his heart again. You know what? And that's the key. You can find out someone's true heart if you watch them over a period of time. Verse 3 says that, Behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle. Now, this is heavy duty because now he's going to hit the Egyptians where they live in their pocketbook. They determined wealth, a great portion of it, by their cattle and their livestock. And he said, You know what? Now I'm going to hit your cattle. 
Now, the, the thing that you use to, to plow your fields, the thing that you use to determine your wealth, I'm going to wipe them out if you don't turn and serve me. And you know what's interesting to me is we all have that same choice to make. We either serve the, the money, the God of mammon, or we serve the Lord. All the cattle's his anyway. Amen? But Egypt didn't understand. And those today who reject our Savior's universal offering of salvation by faith through His grace place themselves into God's divine judgment. And that's exactly what Pharaoh did when he refused to let the people go. He said, I'm not going to listen to your word. I'm not going to listen to what you say. I'm going to do what I want. And guess what? Judgment came. Now it's interesting to me that this plague upon the cattle, though it brought them a loss to the Egyptian property, it also refuted many of their gods. Here's a few more of their gods. They had a bull god named Apis or Ra, and this was a god of, that was represented by a bull. They had another god that was represented by a cow. And, you know, and I don't know why they keep doing this, but they had a woman's body with a cow's head. And again, that's about right up there with a the frog head, right? But they got a cow head, and the name was Hathor, and they worshipped this god. And it was supposed to be the god of, of love and beauty and joy. The goddess of love and beauty and joy with a cow's head. I'm not getting it. But that's what they did. So that's one of the gods they worship. Well, guess what? All the bulls are going to have pestilence. All the cows are going to have pestilence. They had a god, a ram god, represented by another god. And you know what? All these gods are going to die. You know, that's pretty sad if your god dies. That's not good if your god dies, right? Where's your god? Oh, he died. That's not good. I mean, a lot of people have dead gods, right? And they got, you know, they got a little statue to a god that died a couple thousand years ago, and they put an orange in its lap, and they go, oh, that'll bring me prosperity. That's good. I've got to put my little Buddha here, rub its stomach, and put an orange there, and oh, I'm going to have a lot of... No, dead gods is not good. We don't serve a dead god. We serve a risen and, risen and living Savior, amen, who's triumphed over sin and death. And here are these, not only are these plagues coming, but it's refuting their gods. All these gods that they serve, I wonder if they're just going in and kicking their idols down. Well, that didn't work. Oh, well, no, there's the gnat god. That didn't work very well. Oh, lice god. Oh, that's not working. Okay, oh, the god of the flies. He's not working either. The frog god. Yeah, you did us a lot of good. I mean, that's what's happening is their gods are dropping one by one. But what God is doing through all of this is he's proving that he alone is God, that every other god that they serve will fail them. Now, let me ask you a question. What are you placing your faith in? You've got to serve somebody. What is your God? Is it your finances? Is it your career? Is it your health? Is it another God? There's only one person, only one thing we can place our faith in that will not disappoint us. The word there for severe pestilence, again, I looked at several uh, commentaries. They believe it's either a disease called Moran or anthrax. And in either case, it was a disease that was extremely contagious and extremely lethal. And you know what? When God brings judgment, His judgment is complete. He doesn't kind of judge, he judges. And you know what? That's not the place where I want to stand, in a place where God is going to bring judgment upon me. Verse 4. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. Now this is interesting. We see two irrefutable proofs that our God is God and should have proven to Pharaoh that he's God. What did he do? First of all, he said when he was bringing judgment against Egypt that he was going to deliver Israel. Now, only God can bring judgment upon some and deliverance to others. And you know what? That's what our God did in Egypt. And that's exactly what he does today. It's a picture of the cross. The cross is the place of judgment for those who deny God, and it's a place of salvation and deliverance for those who trust in him. Amen? So the cross either is something that will fall upon you and crush you in a sense, 
the rock, right? Or you will fall upon it and be broken and be born again. And it's one or the other. And so what we're seeing here is that as this judgment was coming upon them, that God reserved judgment only for those who denied Him. At the same time, He delivered those who were His people. And that's exactly what He does today. He says, The Lord appointed a set time. This is proof of God's omnipotence and His sovereignty, that our God is in control. Everything that happens will happen according to His perfect plan and His perfect timing. Aren't you glad that even though you don't know, like I tell my kids all the time, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Amen? And so when we don't need to stress, we don't need to worry, we don't need to fret, God already knew. God already knows. He knows what's next. He knows how He's going to use His difficulties in my life now to minister to somebody else in the future, and we just need to trust Him. And Pharaoh should, if you think right about now, he'd be sitting back going, whoa, you know, that frog guy didn't, didn't help me much. The bull God's not working out. You know, I might want to check out this, you know, but remember how he started? Remember what happened when Moses came to him? What did he say? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who is he? Well, I think you're finding out right about now who he is. And the same world that mocks God today will deal with him in the future. Verse 6. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So God's judgment came just as he said it would. Let me ask you a question, and think about this for a moment. We see predicted judgment throughout the Old Testament, and we see God bring it to pass over and over and over and over. 100% of the time when God has, made, has prophesied something would happen, it's come about. Guess what? The book of Revelation prophesies of a coming judgment that's going to make all the judgments so far in the Bible look like a picnic. What do you think the chances are that it's going to come about exactly the way the Bible says? It's 100%. And the reality is that those who do not know God will have to endure it. As Christians, He will draw us out, and we will be in heaven with Him before it happens. But my heart breaks when I think about my coworkers, when I think about people that I know that don't know God and what they're facing, and that many of them will react like Pharaoh, that their heart will be even harder. Pharaoh witnessed both God's grace upon Israel and His judgment upon Egypt, but again, his heart grew even harder. And man, that breaks my heart to hear that. We need to pray that people's hearts would be softened. So we move from the, the diseased animals, and you can imagine, just can you imagine dead animals everywhere. Now, I believe that according to the text, it was all the animals that were out in the field, because that's what it talks about. Can you imagine going out in the field and every animal you see in every direction is dead? And you know what? Dead animals don't smell too good. And if you've just been scraping up all the dead frogs, now you've got a bunch of dead cows and, and horses and camels and everything dead everywhere. Judgment of God upon the land. But guess what? That's going to be nothing compared to what's next, because we're going to move from, from the death of livestock to the first direct attack on the actual humanity that could produce death if, if not taken care of. Head-to-toe boils. You start getting head-to-toe boils, and all of a sudden the horse dying out in the barn isn't as big a deal, right? But here's what happens. Look at verse 8. And we're going to look at boils, the sixth plague. And as each plague becomes more and more severe, we move from pestilence and death of livestock to a plague for, upon their bodies. And remember, they loved cleanliness. 
So can you imagine if you were a clean freak and all of a sudden your body was covered head to toe in boils? Look at verse 8. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. Now that word there, a furnace, and in verse 10 it's the furnace, couple potential interpretations of that. One, that it was one of the brick kilns where they hardened the bricks, where Israel for hundreds of years had been building Egypt, had been in bondage to the Egyptians, and it was one of those kilns where they went in and they took those very ashes, and where those kilns had been bondage to Israel, they were now going to bring pestilence upon Egypt. But actually, I believe this, and this I actually heard this or read this in, court, in something Corson had, and that word there for furnace, the other possibility is that because it says the furnace, it's the furnace where they sacrificed to the god Typhoon. There was a god Typhoon where they made sacrifices to this god. And you know what this god's job was to do? To keep them from boils. Wouldn't it make sense that they would go in and grab ashes out, that they sacrificed to the god that was supposed... Now, you know you got a lot of gods when you got a god dedicated to keeping boils off your body, right? I mean, you got to have thousands... I mean, that's the non-boil god over there. I mean, that's a lot of gods. But what happened is they went over and they grabbed ashes. Now, you would say, how do you have ashes in sacrifice to a god? Well, what they did was they sacrificed babies to the god Typhoon. And this is basically a crematorium. And you know what? I believe that's God's judgment. And what they did is they went in and they took ashes out of there and they threw them in the air, as we're going to see in the verses, and everybody, except those who are of Israel, were covered head to toe in boils. So guess what? Your God, Typhoon, he's no good. Amen? This God you've been serving, well, guess what? Here comes the judgment of Almighty God. Fearful of epidemics, they also worshipped Sekhmet, the lion-headed goddess with an uh, alleged power over disease. They, uh, Sunu, the, the pestilence god. Isis, the god of healing. Well, guess what? None of your gods is working out too well. Because no doubt they were praying to these gods when all this stuff was happening. And what was happening? Nothing. Why? Because they're a bunch, bunch of blocks of wood. A bunch of dead gods. They're serving the wrong Savior. None of these gods could deliver the people from their torments, just as none of the false gods of this world will be able to deliver its followers from the eternal torment to come. Look at verse 9. And it became as fine dust in the land of all Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. These sores, I looked up, they were painful sores. I don't want to get too graphic, but they oozed. Can you imagine? Now these guys are into cleanliness. Now they're walking around head to toe boils that are oozing. Torment suffering, pain. Why? Because they denied God. Because they rejected Him over and over. And I want to say that God is making the judgment more and more severe, not, not totally be only to punish them, which is that's part of it, but truly it's to bring them to a place of repentance. It's to bring them to a place of saying, you know what? Maybe I need to turn to God. Maybe I'm mean, trying this my own way and it's just getting worse. Maybe it's time for me to turn to the Lord and stop trying to cleanse myself because it's just not working. Remember the Egyptians, again, radical about cleanliness. And again, what incredible torture for these guys to be covered head to toe in boils. Verse 10, they took the ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses scattered them toward the heaven. And they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the the Egyptians. So here the magicians are. These are their people that they trust in. And the people they trust in couldn't even come out and stand before Moses. Why? Because they were covered head to toe in boils. You know what? 
I don't want to get financial advice from a guy who's in bankruptcy. How about you? Amen? And I'm not going to seek godly wisdom and direction from a guy who's covered head to toe in boils and is just as bad a torment as I'm in. I'm looking for someone who's found the truth, who's found the hope. Why, do people, why are people attracted to you and seek your counsel? Because you've got the joy of the Lord. Amen? When you're born again and you're filled with the Spirit of the living God, you react different to the world's struggles. You're not the same person as everybody else. People, and when everybody's panicking at work, you're not. When people are panicking about an earthquake, you're not. When people are panicking about the terrorism attacks, you're not. Why? Because God's in control. Because God is faithful. Because I'm not going through this by myself. But here these, Egyptians, these magicians are, and this could be interpreted one of two ways. They could not stand because of the uncleanness, or they couldn't stand because literally their whole body was covered with so many boils, the bottoms of their feet were covered with boils, and they couldn't even stand up. You know what? I don't think I want to serve your God. I'm not thinking this is working out too well, right? I love that story of, of Pastor Chuck driving down the freeway and, or down, down the road, and he stops and he picks up a hitchhiker. A hitchhiker gets in. It's a hippie back in the late 60s. Guy's, you know, a hippie guy, and he gets in the car, and Pastor Chuck's driving along. Pastor Chuck loves hippies, so he's ministering to him and talking to him, and, and he goes, oh, so you're a pastor, huh? And he goes, well, I'm a Hindu. I'm a Hindu. Pastor Chuck turned to him, you know, and he could have gone on to a, a diatribe, could have given him theology, and he just turned to him and said, wow. Seems to be working out for India. Guess what? Hinduism's not working for India. Amen? People are starving to death. It's a total disaster. And the guy kind of went, oh, yeah, it's not really working out for India. Well, so why are you a Hindu? I don't get... And the reality is that guy's George Bryson, who is now one of the... Uh, he wrote, he's got some of the books that are written over on that table, and he has helped plant over 200 churches worldwide. God's used this guy mightily. What's awesome about that is that... We see that the answers are not in anything the world has. We have the answer. And may we point people to the truth. And the truth is in Jesus Christ alone. But look at, look at this. Head to toe boils. And how does Pharaoh respond? Repentance, right? No. Look what he does. Verse 11. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils were, of the magicians were on the magicians and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now it's interesting to note that the first four times we see, it says Moses, or that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And Pharaoh hardened his heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And this time it says, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Continually resisting the grace of God, there will come a point when God will justly and righteously give him up to his own heart's desire. I use the analogy sometimes when I, when I have a chance to witness to people of someone coming to you over and over and over again and offering you a free gift. And saying, you know what, I love you and I, I, you know, I really care for you and you know, I want to lay down my life for you. And, and over, and, and no, I don't want it. No, I want to go my own way. No, no, no. Jesus comes, I died for you, I love you, I really care for you. Keep sending people your way. And maybe after 50 or 100 or 200 times or however many times, God's grace is incredible. Eventually, He's going to give you what you've been asking for. When we stand before God on Judgment Day, no one will go to hell because they didn't ask for it. Everybody that goes will run over the cross of Christ to get there. They all said, no, 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 over, 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 over. God's grace, God's no, God's grace, no, God's grace, no. And eventually, God is going to give them what they desire in their heart. And that's what happens here with Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no, he hardens his heart, he hardens his heart, he hardens his heart. And finally, the Lord gives him over. The Bible even talks about a reprobate mind to the point where people have hardened their hearts so heavily toward God that they've turned themselves over to a reprobate mind. Now I want to say this. Only God knows who those people are, so we can, let's pray for everyone. 
Amen? And let's keep praying that God will do a mighty work. But there are people whose hearts are so hard. But I've seen God soften hearts, but at the same time, God knew that Pharaoh's heart would never be softened. The continued willful hardness of men's hearts will result in the righteous judgment of Almighty God. Pharaoh is a clear example of the sovereignty of God and the free will of men. You say, well, Pastor Dave, how is that true? Pharaoh uses free will to repeatedly reject God and harden his heart over and over and over and over. God in his sovereignty, knowing the heart of Pharaoh before time even began, placed him over Egypt that he might use Pharaoh's hardness as an opportunity to reveal his power. And we're going to see that in the, in the next few, few chapters. So does God know, did God know that Pharaoh was going to harden his heart? The answer is yes. Does that mean that, that Pharaoh never had an opportunity to know God? The answer to that is no. Pharaoh chose of his own free will to reject God. God knew he would reject him. So God knows the future, but he doesn't force us to choose. Does that make sense? And that's reality. People struggle with that. That's a big question for some people. How can God be sovereign and man have free will at the same time? That doesn't make sense. To me, it's very easy. First of all, you're finite man and finite woman trying to understand infinite God. Amen? And he's a lot bigger than we are. But the reality is that God can know the future and not choose the future for us at the same time. Why? Because he's God. And we see an example of that here. Let's move on to the last plague that we're going to look at this, this evening. And this is the plague of hail. And here we're going to see God's patience is going to start waning toward the hardened heart of Pharaoh and the rebellious Egyptians. Look what happens in verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. Have we seen this message before? Yes, we have. This is the seventh time. We've actually eighth if you count initially when he came. So eight times he's come to Pharaoh Eight times he's given him the same message, and eight times Pharaoh has rejected the word. No, I don't need it. No, I don't want it. No, I've got my own way. Nope, I'm not going to do it. That they may serve me. Again, we are God's treasured possession. There's nothing he desires more than fellowship with us because he loves us so very much. And the Lord is grieved in his heart, and you know what? He's at the point where he's done, and he's going to start really bringing judgment, righteous judgment, upon Pharaoh. Look at verse 14. From this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. What was he saying in chapter 5? Who is the Lord that I may obey his voice? And now he's saying, I'm going to let you know that there is none like me in all the earth. He says, my plagues. The Lord makes it real clear where these plagues came from. These plagues were not freaks of nature. You know, the, the flies didn't just happen to blow in you know, on the back of a you know, the city garbage truck or something, right? I mean, the flies came, God sent them. Every one of these plagues was divine and brought by God. He's making it very clear to Pharaoh. And he says to him, to your very heart. He's saying to Pharaoh, would fill, he would feel the full force of God's wrath from this point forward. Pharaoh, I'm done. I'm coming. You know what? And I'm bringing this to you to reveal to you who God really is. You've got all these idols. You think you're God yourself. Pharaoh himself esteemed himself to be a deity. We're going to find out who God is, and it's not you. Amen? There's, only one, there's two, two facts that we all know for, true, for sure. There's only one God, and you're not him. He says that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. The miraculous work of God does, does what it does is always bring glory to his name. When God does a mighty work, men do not get glorified. Amen? Always honors the Lord. If you see men being glorified, run away. God alone should receive all the glory. So the, of the numerous false gods and idols, 
He began by questioning Moses, who is the Lord, and now he's going to find out exactly who he is. Verse 15. Now, if I stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. You know what the Lord says? He says, you know what? I brought seven plagues to you, and each plague has grown more and more heinous than the one before. But the reason I brought you these plagues is because I'm giving you an opportunity to repent. If I had wanted to, I could have just spoke the word and smoked all of you guys. That's what this says in verse 15. Let me read it again. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you all would have been cut off from the earth. What does that mean? You'd all be dead. If I spoke the word, you'd all be dead. This is a picture of God's grace. He allows them to go through difficulty that they might turn to Him. And instead, their hearts grow harder and harder and harder. While our God is indeed a God of grace and love and mercy, He's also a God of awesome power and wonder and majesty. I wrote some things down here as I was sitting in my study today and I was just praying and, and, and about tonight's message. And one of the things that I think is lacking big time in the world today is a fear of God. You know what? We, we look at God and, and to some people He's a God of love and grace, which is absolutely true. But He's also a God of judgment and He's a God of power. Amen? You know what? Our God is not a wimp. Amen? And a lot of people think He's this wimpy God up in the sky. And even Christians fall into the trap. Because you know what? We'll go on sinning because we do not fear the consequences of sin because we do not fear God the way that we should. And I mean awe and reverence for Him. He's all-powerful. He's almighty God. And we should have reverence for Him. Amen? We should sit before Him and say, Whoa, you're God. You're awesome. And it should impact our lives. Fear and awe reverence of His awesome power. Mankind mocks God with its total desire to please self and its total disregard for God. We live in a world of gross sexual perversion, child molestation, child pornography, militant homosexuality. Even in the church, the Catholic Church is defending the, the child molestation and homosexuality in the priest saying, well, we can't say that we're going to take an absolute hard stand against that. Why? No fear of God. No fear of God. What else? We live in a world that, that is filled with pride and arrogance and the pursuit of fame at any cost. We live in a world filled with murder and rape and the slaughter of innocent babies, drug and alcohol abuse, a world that is in a constant state of war and violence and terrorism, a world that entertains itself by watching that very same violence, that very same sexual perversion, the very same, no re- with no regard whatsoever. You know, it's a shock when you go to a movie and it's decent. You know, it used to be the other way around. Oh, don't see that movie. It's bad. It's not. Now people come in, dude, did you see that? There's no cussing, I swear. I really, there, I, there was nothing. It was, it really, it was a good mo- Really. You know, everybody's shocked to death when they find something that isn't horrible anymore. But we've become a society that has no fear of God. They mock God. Some of the things that they're doing with Jesus now, it just absolutely makes me angry. And I'm not going to go into details because it will make you angry. But, you know, they're making adult movies with, you know, Jesus. And don't, you know, I just get angry. And you know what? It's, you know what? God is angry. But see, we see the grace of God because well, there's no fear of God in this country anymore. There's no fear of God in this planet anymore. And even in the church, we just, we're on cruise control. And I want to say this. Compromise is a recipe for lukewarmness. When we start compromising our faith, we become lukewarm. The Bible says, be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And you know what? We see this judgment coming against Pharaoh, but we need to look around our own country today. And everything that was going on in Egypt, we're just as bad, if not worse. And it's only God's grace that's keeping this place from getting smoked. Amen? And praise the Lord that He loves us, and that we're His remnant, and He cares. But we need to fear God when we go to work. 
We need to be more worried about honoring and reverencing the Lord than being popular with our coworkers or being popular with our friends or being popular with, with our neighbors. There needs to be just a supernatural man, excitement about God and so desiring to serve and honor and know Him above all else. We've gone from an immoral society to an amoral society. Now, what does that mean? When there's an immoral society, there's a moral standard, but people choose not to obey it anymore. Now we have an amoral society, which means there are no morals. And the only people that get attacked are the people that have some. What's wrong with you, man? Quit being so uptight, man. Lighten up. You know, oh yeah, well, we're living together. So You know, it used to shock people when people were living together. That, not anymore. That's not a big deal, right? What, you got married without living with your wife? Don't you, you know, didn't you want to try it out for a while first to see if it was going to work? People are blown away. That you're not sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. People are blown away that you think homosexuality is wrong. People are blown away that you don't think it's okay to steal from your body. I mean, people are blown away because you have morals because we live in an amoral society. Egypt was like that and God's judgment came down hard. And you know what? Praise God that He does bring these plagues because what it should do is get us to look back up. But instead, quite often what happens in the world is people harden their heart even more. You know, it's interesting. I've got it later in my notes, but, you know, when the Northridge earthquake happened, we were living in Southern California, you see the judgment of God and you see the grace of God. Why? Because within a five-mile radius of the epicenter of the earthquake is where 80% of all the pornography in the United States is produced. And it's not by chance that that's where God brought the earthquake. Major earthquake. But he brought it at 4 a.m. because if it had happened at 7 a.m., instead of a few hundred people dying, hundreds of thousands of people would have been on those freeways and all would have died. So you see God's judgment and you see God's mercy. But there's going to be a time when he snatches his church away and the mercy's not going to be here anymore. It's going to be nothing but God's judgment. He's going to take his church away and then you're going to see this stuff will look like a day in the park because there's going to be... The hailstones that come here, we don't know how big they are, but in Revelation, there's 125-pound hailstones. Do you know that a two-pound hailstone will rip through your house and destroy it? What do you think a 125-pound hailstone might do? Where do you hide from 125? The answer is nowhere. And the reality is that judgment, that judgment is coming. And why? Because we've turned our back on God. And, and the world has just said no. You know what? Here's another judgment from God. You know what? I don't care about I'm just going to speak the truth. AIDS. Judgment from God. Why? It's a pestilence. Why? Because of the immorality of people. People are turned their back on God. They're in immoral sexual situations and they get AIDS. And AIDS is a death sentence. And you know what? Do we love people with AIDS? The answer is yes. I took my youth group up to San Francisco and we went in and fed people in an AIDS hospital and we ministered to them and we showed them the love of God. But that does not mean that it's still not judgment from the Lord because it is. But the sad part is, instead of repenting, people harden their heart even more. They want to live that lifestyle even more. And that's where Pharaoh was. Pharaoh's done. And the Lord is just coming and saying, you know what? Here's another opportunity to repent. The good news is that some of the people who hear this will change. So may we be transformed. Not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. May we not be like the world. May we change. May we be different than the rest. May we be sold out for Jesus, filled with, led by the Holy Spirit, not silenced by the fear of men. Amen? Man, what can we do to Santa Cruz if just the people in this room were turned upside down for the Lord? Just sold out. I don't care what men say. I'm honoring God. Watch out. The Bible, you know, the Bible talks about that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, searching for one who can show himself strong on account of. He's looking for that one man or one woman who will say, Lord, use me. 
And you know what? That's what Moses and Aaron were in Egypt, and that's what God wants us to be in Santa Cruz. Look at verse 16. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my, my name may be declared in all the earth. For this purpose, the good news is even when ungodly men are placed in authority, God has placed them there that he might ultimately be glorified. So even though Pharaoh was in charge and he was an ungodly man, God was going to use his hard heart as an opportunity for him to, to show his power. Because you know what? A man with not as hard a heart would have relented and let the people go sooner. But God knew that this was going to be the man. God raised up Pharaoh to reveal his own omnipotence and that he alone is God. He allowed a prideful and a hard-hearted man to rule that he might reveal his power, all part of God's sovereign plan. Verse 17. As yet you exalt yourself against my people and that you will, you will not let them go. You know what? We sing One of my favorite worship songs is We Exalt Thee. Amen? Pharaoh's song was, I exalt me. And you know, when you sing, I exalt me, you know, someone's singing that song, I want to get out of the way for the lightning, amen? And here's Pharaoh, and here's Pharaoh, he's saying, I exalt me. And the Lord says, you've been exalting yourself, and because you're exalting yourself, you know what? Judgment's coming. You're going to stand before, somebody's got to pay for my sin. It's either going to be me, or it's going to be Jesus, amen? Somebody's going to pay. Somebody's got to write the check for it. And the Lord has written the check for all of us, and we'll accept it. And you know what? I, I know I'm speaking with a little passion tonight, but I'll tell you what, as I was spending time in God's Word, I just felt such an urgency and such a burden for this county. They need Jesus so bad. And sometimes we just want to, you know, just be on cruise control. Man, may, may we just not be lukewarm. May there be no compromise. May we be excited about the things of God. And you know what? Be burdened for those who are lost. Never self-righteous. Never thinking we've got something they don't. But instead looking at them and being brokenhearted for them. As you exalt yourself against my people and that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down. Such has not been in Egypt since the founding until now. Therefore, sin now. Now look at God's grace. And gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field. It is not brought home, and they shall die. So he's saying, look, I'm going to bring hail on you like you've never seen before. You've already seen, we turned the blood, the blood into water. You've seen the frogs. You've seen the lice. You've seen the flies. You've seen the cattle get sick. You've seen, you've seen the, the uh, head-to-toe boils. Now I'm warning you one more time that if you stay out in the field, Hail's coming down from the sky, and anybody in the field is going to get killed from it. And I'm warning you. God's grace preparing people for God's judgment. And you know what happened? Some people listened, most didn't. Let's read on. But it says, He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. So there were some that even though Pharaoh's heart was hard, there were some that heard the word and responded to it. God's grace. Amen? In the midst of this perverse generation, we see God's grace and we see some people respond. There's hope for Santa Cruz County that some people will respond. Amen? And some people responded and they went and they fled to their houses and those who went into their houses were saved. The word of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Amen? That's, that's our strong tower. That's our place of refuge. And so they ran and they were saved. But guess what? Most of them, in their arrogance, stayed out in the field. And guess what? All the beasts that were left, the ones that had been in the shelter when they struck the ones in the field, that were now in the field, were struck down dead, and every man that was in the field was killed. Why? Because of pride, because of arrogance, and a refusal to repent. Unbelievable. Verse 21. 
But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may, there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on all the land of Egypt. Let me read on. So there was hail, and fire mingled with hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt and all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. So interesting, in the midst of this devastating plague, God again poured out an opportunity, but then people rejected him and then came divine judgment. And at the root of divine judgment, as, I, as uh, John Corson said, all hail broke loose. Those who rejected God for them, all hail broke loose. And that's exactly what happened. They were, they were found in judgment of God and they were pounded in the ground by the judgment of God because they rejected His repeated opportunity for repentance. Very often in our own lives, when all hail is breaking loose, it's a result of us disregarding the Word of God. You know, I, one of my number one things that happens to me in a counseling session, and I, I believe me, I, again, I tell people all the time, I don't have the answers, I know where they are, they're in the book. Amen? And I, I'll take you there. And if I don't know where it is there, we'll find it together. But the, one of the things I hear quite often is people come and ask me, well, you know, there's this really nice guy at work, and, you know, I've I really been praying about it, and I think he's the one. Really? So where's he at with the Lord? Well, he's not saved. But, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people that have married unbelievers, and then God works it out. No, 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 no. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Yeah, but you know, but he's, you know, my biological clock's ticking. I'm getting a little old. And, you know, he's a nice guy. And do you want to honor God or do you want to honor yourself? Because you know what? If you disregard the word of God, all hail is going to break loose. Amen? There's going to be the judgment of God. There's going to be consequences when we disregard the word of God. We don't have to pray about something if it's in the Bible. You don't have to pray about whether or not to date the unbeliever. The answer is no. Right? Amen? Well, the Bible says that's it. Well, I should think we should... No, we don't need to pray about it. It's in the Bible. If we read the book and we don't wait for the movie, we'll have the answers. We won't have to pray about it. We'll know that it's from God. And so here we see this, that, that all hail broke loose because they disregarded the Word of God. They didn't heed His Word when He gave it to them. They didn't listen. And instead they just said, we're going to stay in the field. We don't care what the Word of God says. We're going to live our own way. We're almost done. Only in the land of Goshen... Where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. This time? Dude, you've been sinning since we got here. What do you mean this time? You know what I mean? And we're going to see this, we're going to see this false repentance. But look at this. Doesn't this sound like repentance? So, so God spares Goshen and hail is falling. Do you think that would be a picture to you? You're looking around Egypt and everybody's house is just smoked. Everything's been broken to the ground. There's hail everywhere. There's a bunch of dead people out in the fields. And you walk in to Goshen and everything's perfect. You think you might figure out, wait a minute. We're serving a bunch of dead idols and, you know, and frog, frog gods and we're getting smoked. And they're serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe there's something to that. But we see here that, that God preserved them. But look what happens. Look at his response. And this sounds great. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses, verse 27, and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. Amen. That's it. There it is, Pharaoh. You finally are starting to figure it out. That's right. You are wicked. And God is righteous, and your people are wicked, and you're a mess, and you're a sinner, and that's right. Amen. Hey, Pharaoh, maybe you're getting it. Verse 28. 
Entreat or beg the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough. I will let you, I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. This is the drowning guy again. He's way far away from shore. He thinks it's over with, and he says, you know what? I'm, I'm a sinner. Yeah, yeah. What do you want me to say? Yeah, sinner. I can say that. Whatever you want me to say, I'll do Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a mess. Oh, yeah. I, I've blown it. Yeah, what, whatever you want me to say, I'll do it. But just get the hailstones and stop falling. People are dying. My, my country's a mess. Do whatever we have to. Yeah, I'll say whatever you want. I'll, you know what? Whatever you tell me to do. Kind of like when you go to the doctor, the doctor tells you something. I'm, what, what do you say when a doctor, well, okay, Mr. Johnson, you're going to have to, you know, Paint your rear end red. Okay, you're the doctor, right? I mean, we don't know what to say. We just tell, okay, whatever you say. Well, that's what I believe Pharaoh's heart is here. He's saying, all right, whatever you tell me, yeah, I'm wicked. Okay, you've been telling me, I believe it. Get the hailstones to stop. Well, watch what happens. He says this time, even in the midst of it. But this is a picture, again, of saying I'm sorry because of the consequences of sin, not repenting and turning to the Lord. A lot of people say I'm sorry because they're in a mess. But repentance is the key. And we're going to see whether or not he truly had a repentant heart. His Pharaoh is not true repentant. It's just him saying, I'm sorry. Verse 29. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord, and the thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you shall know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you, will, you do not yet fear the Lord. So three things we see in these two verses. First of all, notice where Moses goes to pray. He goes out into the field. Where's the hail falling? Out in the field. But we're indestructible until God's through with us. Amen? And there's no safer place to be than in the center of God's will. So he walks right out. There's dead people everywhere. And he walks right out. Why? Because he's Moses and God's on his side. And he stands there and he begins to pray and the hail stops. Why? Because God's in control and Moses is following him. No safer place. Notice who Moses points to. He says, I'm going to go do this that you may know that the Lord is God. I'm not going to go do this so you'll think, hey, Moses, you're a pretty awesome guy. He says, I'm going to go do this so you will know that the Lord is God. He points to God alone. And then Moses had been given divine direction and discernment to know that he still was not going to repent. That even though he'd given words of repentance, he didn't really mean it on his heart. But he still interceded on behalf of Pharaoh. Even though he knew he was not going to repent, he still did it anyway. And that tells me, as Christians, we need to keep praying for people even when we think it's hopeless. May we continue to pray, may we continue to seek that their hearts would be softened. I'm almost done. I know I've gone over a little bit. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head, in the head and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. This is God's grace again. We know from this text that it was either late January or February because those are when the crops come, came up. But here's the thing. Two of the crops got wiped out but two more were still getting ready to grow. And it was God's way again of saying, I've wiped out the crops that are growing, but it's not too late for you to repent and still have food. It's not too late. God didn't wipe it all out. He, he took half of it out. He's still giving them an opportunity to turn back to God. Again, like the Northridge earthquake. God brought judgment, but He brought it at 4 a.m. And praise the Lord for that, because many, many lives were spared. So Moses went out of the city, verse 33, from Pharaoh and spread out his hands before the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. Moses, a true servant of God, was faithful to his word. Let's see what Pharaoh does with his word. Moses said he would do it. Moses went out and did it. Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. As Christians, we should be men and women of our word. If we say we're going to do something, we need to do it. 
If I tell my kids I promise, if I don't show up, I must be dead. Promise. You say, you say you're going to do something, do it. Moses said he'll do it. Pharaoh said he's going to do it. How does Pharaoh respond? Look at verse 34 and 35 in closing. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more. Not only did he not keep his word, but he got even worse. As soon as he saw that the hail wasn't falling, that his life wasn't in danger anymore, he went and took his AIDS test and he came back and said, you know what? HIV test is negative. You're okay. He went out and just got worse. He just went out and did worse. He didn't stop it and slow him down. He didn't repent. He sinned even more. Man, that's heavy. It says he sinned more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. So everything he said was a lie. Did he really repent when he said those things about the Lord? Did he really mean it when he said? No. Have you ever met anybody that's prayed the sinner's prayer with you, and you thought for sure they meant it? They were weeping. They were torn. Oh, yeah. And then three weeks later, a month later, a year later, oh, I don't believe that anymore. You know what that is? That's not someone who lost their salvation. It's somebody who never knew God to begin with. And that's what happened with Pharaoh. He says he's repenting, but his heart doesn't change. So in closing, in conclusion, the worship team will come up. Tonight we saw God's grace in giving Pharaoh and Egypt repeated opportunities to repent. We saw his awesome power in pouring out his judgment upon disbelief. And we saw the continued obedience of Moses and Aaron and the continued rebellion of Pharaoh. And you know what? Again, my heart is that, that we would not become complacent. That even though we may be living in a land like Egypt that's filled, that's filled with, with sinfulness and a disregard for God and there's no repentance, that we would be salt and light. And you know what? You cannot put a light out no matter how much darkness you use. Amen? You cannot put it out. You can't, it can't be dark enough to keep a light from shining. And no matter how dark the place is, as a matter of fact, the light just shines brighter the darker the place is. May we be a bright light to Santa Cruz. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of love and of grace and of mercy, of a first chance, of 50th chance, a 1,000th chance in so many cases. You keep coming to us because you love us. I pray, Lord, for those who are here tonight, Father God, that may, have, that may be away from you. But Lord, I, think, I pray that they would just know in their heart that you can take a million steps away from God, but it truly is only one step back. And Lord, you're right there because you love each one of us so very much. You desire that we walk in the fullness of your spirit. I pray, Lord, you'd help us not to be men and women of compromise, that we would not be lukewarm, that we truly would be hot for you, Lord, that we make a difference in a plague-filled land. So, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. You're such a gracious and a loving God. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand up and worship.